Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Today we are looking at the story of the Great Banquet Supper in Luke chapter 14. If you had a free invitation to a sumptuous banquet feast, wouldn't you attend? Sadly, the people in Luke's story who were invited to a delicious supper refused to go. In just a moment, we'll look at the story, but before we do, listen to some music that I hope will nourish your spirit and direct your thoughts to God. Our scripture passage today is Luke chapter 14, verses 16 to 24. But Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a field, and I must go out and see it. Please have me be excused. Another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to examine them. Please have me excused. Another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. So the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Throughout the scriptures, the idea of preparing a table is a common theme. In 2 Kings chapter 4, we find the story of Elisha who ministers to a Shunammite woman. In return for his kindness, she prepares a table of food for him to eat his bread. In Psalm 23, we are reminded of the familiar words that God prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Then in our scripture passage today, in Luke chapter 14, we have the parable of the great banquet supper of God, involving no doubt a large and luxurious table. A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. We know from examining the parable what the different images represent. The certain man in the story is God our Heavenly Father. The supper is the banquet of salvation 
the heavenly meal of forgiveness and life that Christ his Son purchased by his death. Jesus is himself the meal, the bread of life given in his word and in the holy supper of his body and blood. The manservant is the Holy Spirit sent through the preaching of the gospel to invite people to the feast. Those invited may freely dine on the sumptuous fare of God's lavish salvation. This is the rough outline of the parable and its meaning. Now, let's dig a little deeper. Notice first in verse 18 the response to the invitation. But they all alike began to make excuses. It is very instructive to see that everyone invited to the feast declined the invitation because they preferred a lower good to a higher good. There is a unanimous refusal to partake of the banquet that is astonishing and unnatural. This is a lavish, free banquet feast, yet all refuse to attend. Why? In each case, the refusal is because a lower good is preferred to a higher good. There is a law operating here according to which the more valuable a thing is, the less men care to have it. Or, if we put this into scientific language, the attraction of an object is in the inverse ratio to its worth. It is the small things, the transitory, superficial things, that everyone grasps for, and the number of graspers steadily decreases as we go up the scale in preciousness of value. When we reach the most precious, the realm of the beautiful, the good, and the true, there are few who desire these things. Think of the attraction of entertainment. We are an entertainment-crazed society. But mere mental and physical entertainment is very low on the scale of true values. Think of bodily pleasures and comforts. They are also extremely low on the scale of preciousness in value and importance. Yet how many days and months of our lives do we waste on mere bodily pleasures and comforts? What about money? Are there many things in the scale of life lower than money? Yet the majority of men earnestly seek after money, something which has instrumental value at best, but has no intrinsic preciousness and worth. People steal, rob, and kill to obtain money. It is the theme of countless movies and plays. Isn't goodness and truth and beauty of much more value than money? Yet how many people will discipline themselves to seek earnestly after goodness and truth in comparison to the vast majority who clamor after money? Isn't acquiring wisdom and purity far more important and valuable than pursuing mere information? Yet how many people cram their minds full of television news and magazine information utterly lacking in wisdom or purity? But they all with one accord began to make excuses. And their excuses revealed that they were substituting a much lower good for the higher and more precious good offered to them. What could be more precious, more important, more holy and good and true than the gift of the Lord Jesus in the gospel of salvation? 
What is offered to us in Christ is help, guidance, forgiveness, rest of heart, victory over self, control over our passions, tranquility and peace, the abolishing of death and life everlasting. Yet men and women every day refuse the gospel invitation. They refuse to take a seat at the banquet table of salvation. The indescribable love of God in trusting Christ as Lord and Savior is freely offered, yet millions make one excuse after another for not receiving the precious gift extended. They were all looking for ways to get out of this dinner invitation. They had other things they thought were more important to do. Being with the giver of the feast and sharing in the joy of his meal was low on their priority list. All of the excuses reveal a preoccupation with temporary interests, duties, and possessions, which are of much less value than the eternal destiny of the human soul. Notice that all the excuses demonstrate unbelief in the gospel invitation. The first said, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. This man is caught up in the pressure of daily duties. He says he must go and see some land he has purchased. But who created the must, the urgency? The man did. The field would have waited until tomorrow or the next day. The transaction was already finished and paid for. There was no necessity in his going out to see it right away, except that the must was entirely in his own mind. He had plans for this property and was anxious to implement them. Too many people complain that they are so pressed by necessary obligations and engagements that they have no time for worship, for prayer, for Bible study, or the things of God. I can't possibly deal with the higher requirements of devotion to God because all these lower necessities are pressing in upon me. But the truth is that we are deceiving ourselves by inclinations that pose as necessities. When we allow daily necessities to usurp the place of devotion, worship, and prayer, we are not seeking first the kingdom of God. We are following our own inclinations and agendas and abandoning our true priority, which is Christ himself. This man didn't believe that in Christ are riches and splendor beyond any possession on earth. He didn't believe that having Christ means having God, and having God is the summum bonum, the highest good of all life and existence. The second man in the parable said, I have bought five yoke of oxen, and I am going to test them. I ask you to have me excused. This man prefers his possessions and his work to loving devotion for Christ. Often a new possession will consume all our time and energy, a new car, a new home, a new hobby. We quickly discover that all our time is taken up with this new possession or thing, and we have no time left to devote our hearts to the Lord. Sometimes people find their purpose and identity in their employment, in their work, in being a mover and shaker in the world of business and enterprise. But in the end, 
Devotion to our employment or business only results in long days and sleepless nights. Sometimes a man will become a workaholic, trying to find his identity in what he does, rather than in being the person Christ makes him by his grace. The third man in the parable said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. This is the category of relationship excuses. This man prizes his earthly marriage over the heavenly wedding of Christ and his bride, the church. He loves union with his wife more than communion with his Creator. This excuse is as lame as the other two excuses. A man could certainly love his wife and come to the banquet feast of God. Love of spouse and love of God are not mutually exclusive. In fact, the more we live in union with Jesus Christ, the more fit we will be for all our work and relationships. The field will be better cared for, the oxen more wisely directed, and the wife more tenderly loved if Christ is first in our hearts, if in whatever we do we are seeking Him and His kingdom as the priority of our lives. On the surface, Taking care of land and business concerns and being with your new wife may sound like legitimate justifications for saying no to a dinner invitation. But that's the problem, isn't it? Humans have an almost endless capacity for self-rationalization and self-justification. We come up with many excuses for saying maybe later to God and his invitation to the feast. All three explanations in our scripture passage were unsatisfactory. They were simply pretexts for refusing the gospel invitation. All three of these men would have accepted the invitation and come to the table if they had really wanted to. The truth is many people love their daily duties, their possessions, and their relationships more than they love God. Some say, listen, I'm only a young adult. I need time to have fun and party and sow my wild oats. When I settle down and get married and have children, then I'll start to get serious about the church and God's word. Please have me excused. Then ten years later, listen, I would love to follow Christ, but I've got major responsibilities now. I have a wife and children to take care of, I'm working hard at my job and keeping my family financially secure. Sunday is the only time to sleep in or get anything done around the house or spend time with my family. Please have me excused. Then a couple of more decades. Listen, retirement's just around the corner. These middle-aged years are my prime earning years. I've got to stay focused on money. Once I'm retired, I'll have a lot of time for God's Word, for service in the church, and helping others. Besides, it's summertime, and I just got some new property and a new boat, and I need to check them out. Please, have me excused. Finally, in retirement, listen, I can finally travel and do all the things I wanted to do now that I'm in my golden years. I've still got my health, and I need to pursue my bucket list now before I'm too old. After all, the grave is right around the corner. You understand, I know. Please, have me be excused.
All of these are flimsy excuses, not even worthy of being stated. The real reason, beloved, is indifference to God. The man is saying, I don't want God. I'll take the field I bought instead. I don't want God. I'll take the five oxen instead. I don't want God. I prefer lesser relationships. Do we see how utterly unreasonable and tragic this is? Men prefer the lesser and the lower and neglect the greater and the higher. listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. Let's continue our lesson. And what about the faithful who come Sunday after Sunday to church? Is it possible for us to come to the banquet of the Lord, but not eat? Is it possible to hear the word of the Lord read and preached, but refuse to pay deep attention to it and eagerly receive it? The ancient prayer says, Grant that we may hear, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest thy holy word. The food is in front of us, but we're not hungry enough to learn and inwardly digest it. We go through the motions, but we've lost sight of our desperate need for Jesus Christ and what He alone can give us. That's what happened with the Jews in Jesus' day. They had the Lord Messiah in their midst. They heard Him preach and teach. They watched Him perform many miracles. But most of Israel rejected Jesus as the Messiah and Savior. They felt no need for the salvation he came to bring. So the glory of the gospel went to the lowly and the outcast of society who did believe in Jesus and trusted his words of life. This is what Jesus is referring to in the parable. Then the master of the house, being angry at those who had rejected the invitation, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. Go everywhere and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. The Jews were too good to come to God's feast, too full of their own self-righteousness. So God spread the invitation wide and took in those who were hungry and thirsty for him and his righteousness. And they were filled with eternally satisfying food. 
God will have a full house on the great day of his banquet supper in heaven. If many who should come refuse, then others whom we might not expect will be present. There will be millions of poor, lame, and blind from all around the world. There will also be a countless throng of spiritual beggars from every country in every century who believe upon Jesus and are saved. This is because the lavish gospel banquet is not given on the credentials of the invited, but on the graciousness of the host. This is an important spiritual application. In the end, the only ones who pull up a seat at the great feast of salvation and enjoy the meal are beggars and foreigners, for they are the only ones who see their need for what the Master has to give them. This is what we must become before God, a hungry beggar, a needy foreigner, a starving person as from a poor country desperately seeking food. We must be brought by God to see that we in ourselves are spiritually empty, wasting away with nowhere else to turn but to Him. Remember that God gives us His divine law in the Old Testament to expose our desperate need so that we begin to crave the bread of life. Only then will the great banquet supper of salvation be not just one of many important things to do, it will be the one thing that we cannot live without, the very source and summit of our life. For the meal is Christ, who is our life. This is the wonderful message of Colossians 3, 1-3. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. Listen to these verses in the Message Translation. So if you're serious about living this new resurrection life in Christ, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from His perspective. Your old life is dead. Your new life, which is your real life, even though invisible to spectators, is with Christ in God. Christ is your life. The Scriptures tell us that we are poor, maimed, crippled, and blind. That's not very flattering, is it? especially when everything in our modern culture defines success as rich, strong, beautiful, and eyes wide open to indulge every conceivable pleasure. The wonderful news, friends, from heaven is that sinners can be changed. The gospel has the power to transform us from within. God has prepared a great banquet feast, the Supper of the Lamb. It is a lavish spread of the best food and the richest wine imaginable. What do we do at feasts and banquets down here on earth? We enjoy ourselves. It is wonderful to be together at a wedding reception or a family reunion or a large dinner gathering. Can you imagine the enjoyment of heaven? 
we will feast on the beauty of God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit for all eternity. We will enjoy him face to face. Astonishing, unbelievable. Do you want a place at the table of God? Do you long to feast at the marriage supper of the Lamb? Jesus said, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood dwells in me, and I in him. In worship, we have the opportunity to gather around the table of Christ's body and blood given for us. We remember him. We receive him. We feed on his life. And because we are united with Christ and receive his life, the sin and death which trouble us here on earth cannot ultimately harm us. For Jesus Christ is our righteousness. Jesus Christ is our life, which conquers all, even the grave itself. And so the Spirit's call continually goes out. Come, for all things are now ready. The banquet table is laid before you, not only in the word of God you are hearing, but also in the sacrament of the altar. Partake of this holy life-giving food. Believe in Christ and be saved. Receive the foretaste of the feast to come while we are in our bodies on the earth. Then one day we shall all meet together in heaven to feast at the marriage supper of the Lamb in his kingdom which will have no end. Amen. For of him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory, both now and forevermore. Amen. You've been listening to Exaltation on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. us on the web at goddebtministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. This program, Exaltation, is designed to encourage you. Please get in touch with us by going to our website and clicking on the contact link, contact at goddebtministries.org. We want to pray for you and support you in any way possible. Until next time, May God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known, have you not heard, 
The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. <laughs>